smaller, mid-sized companies have special challenges when it comes to technology and especially putting in place cutting-edge analytics. That's why we do the Analytics Breakdown with me as your host, Chance Coble. Welcome, everybody. We're going to try something a little new this week and go over a couple of headlines before we get started. In its Q1 survey of this year, Slash Data published that 63% of developers are engaged in AI-assisted software development. This is fascinating to me because the economy of software development is fundamentally broken, in my opinion. Developer compensation seems to be driven by a combination of macroeconomics, investor sentiment, and voodoo rather than on merit. This study, which surveyed over 25,000 developers in 160 countries, basically found that most of them are looking at ways to get AI to bridge the gap between having to look up a technique and then apply it into their use case. In fact, this was the most engaging technology of all those included in the survey. My question is, will this make software development finally become more economical and less risky for those mid-sized businesses, or will the assistance become something that just helps with trivial software and ho-hum details of a specific programming language that just saves some lookup time? Even if that's all it becomes, I have to say, that alone lessens the burden to find someone that is a learned expert in your stack. And once again, fundamentals in the science and engineering might take over again. You can find the survey results at slashdata.co. U.S. News published a study that was done, says cancer vaccines poised to unlock new treatment paradigm with Merck and Moderna data. So this is out of U.S. News. A collaboration between Merck and Moderna uses their mRNA vaccine technology to turn an individual's immune system into a tool for fighting cancer. Most cancer cells are able to hide from the immune system in this collaboration. They were able to use data analytics and AI tools when sequencing the individual's cancer DNA to filter away everything but the most important important, unique markers. Then they can develop a vaccine in about eight weeks that's specific to that individual and their type of cancer so that the immune system hones in on those markers, thereby turning their immune system into a tool to fight the cancer. Results were very encouraging and showed odds of spreading were reduced by 65% for a deadly skin cancer. This kind of story is near and dear to me because my master's degree is actually in bioinformatics and I eventually became convinced after that study that healthcare's problems in the U.S. are largely self-inflicted problems. I have to say it's it's exciting to me when I was thinking that healthcare just really isn't ready for these advanced techniques. It really requires uh, more of a fundamental paradigm shift in how we approach healthcare in the U.S. before we would be able to get to that level. I'm always happy when science comes out and proves me wrong and proves my skepticism to be misplaced. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if, when combined with some new analytics and AI technologies, new medical advances that resulted from that terrible pandemic we all went through provided us with a leap forward in cancer treatment? All right, on to the episode. In this episode, uh, I'm hoping to explore some of the difference between the people who get value from their dashboarding tools or BI tools and those that don't seem to get any. Uh, I've been going into company after company helping do things with these tools, and I've seen some common patterns with those who seem to get themselves into tough situations. Of course, all of the basic project risk reduction plays in, and we see people get bid on this time and again. Uh, these projects, especially in the mid-market, can come with substantial cash outlays, and the temptation is high to cut corners, which will ultimately under-resource the project. Uh, there are plenty of ways to finance these projects, and if you don't have one, then feel free to reach out. I can connect you with people. You don't really want to under-resource a project like this, and uh, if you want to reduce your risk, definitely don't start out 
resourcing your project in a way that may not get you across the finish line. So that's my biggest warning, and that comes with all projects, not just analytics and BI projects. But outside of that fundamental need in the mid-market to make sure your project is properly resourced, I'm going to give you three pointers I've found over the years that I've come across over and over again, even when you're working in a well-resourced project, that seem to introduce risk into these endeavors. So once you're ready for your project, take a look at these three aspects. Once a project has the resources, these three areas are the big challenges. Number one, make sure you've thought through the questions you want to answer. If you've listened to me talk much, you've heard me say this. It isn't always easy for some organizations for the first time to sit their leadership down and think through their known unknowns, the things that they know they don't really have good answers for today or that they regularly come to in their business processes that they need to understand in order to make good decisions in those processes. I find a little formula helps. I didn't invent this, but I found it to really work well with clients. And it's basically to get that leadership team to write down, if I knew X, I would do Y. That allows you to just fill in the X and the Ys. And now you know your X or answer to a meaningful business question. And it's also actionable because you've been forced to write down the why. That means you can now rank your questions from most to least valuable, given that what why could do for your business. Also, you can estimate how hard it might be to develop the answer because you have X, and now you have two quantified ways to rank uh, your backlog of questions to develop evidence-based decisions around. This could be a set of questions that can't be answered perfectly, and that's okay. For example, if I could identify accounts at a high risk of churn in the next year, I could create a targeted incentives campaign to keep them. That's the kind of thing you want to be asking. It's a bold question. It's never going to be answered perfectly, but it's going to be answered well enough that you could potentially really make a better target of who you're after and who you want to maintain uh, a positive account with. Okay, two make sure that data is ready. (laughs) I see customers who have run out and bought Tableau while the organization is still in spreadsheets flying around in the weeds, and then they struggle with why Tableau didn't add any value. How can you avoid this? You have to make sure that all of the sources of information that you're going to use in any particular use case are quality checked and transformed into a meaningful state for reporting. So a little word of caution. If you try to run around through your entire set of data available, even in a modest-sized organization, and make it all ready for reporting before you get started on that reporting, the universe is going to grow very cold before you finish your project. All data is not what you need. You need the data that will get your business questions answered. Believe me, that is a big job on its own, and you want to stay focused on just that data that's really going to help you answer those questions. So if you want to give yourself a head start, then begin with the questions you asked in step one in the, the first X's and Y's that I just introduced, and then identify what in the organization will be able to answer those important questions, and that's it. Take a piece of that list of X's and Y's and just focus on the data to answer those questions. Once you see what it is like to get real questions answered, and all the work it entails, then move on to another question or set of questions. This allows you to get value in bite-sized chunks, which again mitigates risk and plays right into the benefits of iterative projects. Those projects help most when we have a lot to learn about what we are doing, which is often where people are starting these projects. Finally, The best BI tool for you is the one that you will use. I say this all the time to people. Remember, this market of BI tools is crowded. 
And that's all the more reason to shop aggressively. They almost all give you free trials. Prepare to spend some time to see what your team can get out of a tool in a week or so. And don't be afraid to ask someone for help. The BI tool that is most easily helpful to you may have something to do with your tech stack, but it may also have to do with the kind of use case, how fresh you need that data to be, whether or not you can look at data that's a month old or it needs to be live queried. Those kinds of things matter a lot. Is this a platform that was really meant for sharing and collaboration and that's key to your use case? Or is it better for data discovery and analysis for a few people who are going to be focused in on this data and making those decisions? Each of these platforms are going to have their strengths and that should match your use case. Plenty of consultants will help with this kind of work, yes, including us, and you can find them on places like Upwork or just by Googling a little on BI evaluations. So if you go down this path, remember what I said earlier about resourcing your project. That is fundamental. That's not specific to these BI endeavors. First, once you know your project is well-resourced, make sure you're asking the right questions. Second, make sure the data you need to answer those questions is ready and on hand. And third, Make sure you choose the right BI platform for you. That is the one that you will use and your team can show that they can get value out of. All right, that's the analytics breakdown. Everyone have a good one.